the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As rebellious as sinners are, deep down they know they're in ruin. And they know that Christians are righteous. And they're just jealous. The victory in the enemy's mouth. That's next on Way of Grace. Join us. Here in Judges chapter 7, we have a unique picture of God being kind to his children, Gideon especially. Gideon is fearful, but he's trusting the Lord. And the Lord comes back to him and says, you know what? I'll help you out. Go down and listen to what your enemy is talking about. And that's where we find ourselves today, God giving Gideon some insight, and us as well, as we take a look at the unrighteous. Your victory in the enemy's mouth. That's next on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. What you're dealing with with this apparatus of the trumpet is you are, re- you are recognizing that God is about to call victory before the war gets started. Just drop that, okay? God's about to call victory before the war gets started. Everywhere in the scriptures where the trumpet is used, it speaks of the authoritative proclamation of God's word. Right. And I told you in Numbers chapter 10, we were told that the blowing of the trumpet called for either the gathering of the elders together to be uh, um, to be educated as to what they should do. The gathering of the people of God together to worship God in the feast days and in the sacrifices or for them to make their journey. It was very clear. And everywhere in the New Testament, you hear of the trumpet. You and I are thinking about the authoritative voice of Christ. Are we not? The Lord shall descend with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. First Thessalonians 416, just to remind you, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the what? That's what our elder was saying a little bit earlier, trying to hint at you that when you really have a visceral understanding of the presence of God and the privilege of being worshipers of God, clapping is appropriate. When you understand the beauty and fullness of this infinite God and all the splendor of what he has accomplished for us, um, it is uh, appropriate. And the voice of the archangel with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I did also uh, remind you as well that this is the way that John described the message he heard in Revelation chapter one, he heard a voice behind him as it were a trumpet. And what you hear all throughout the book of the Revelation is the word of God comes as a what? As a trumpet to those whose ears are attuned to the fact that God's word is authoritative. God's word is powerful. God's word is efficacious. It is the Lord coming with a shout. This will be clearly seen when Gideon engages 
the war. Let's move into our second point, which kind of gets into my opening narrative, the reward of drawing near. The reward of drawing near. Subpoint A, the obedience of faith supported. Look again over at verse uh, verse 10. All right, let me start at verse nine. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, arise, get thee down unto the host. Get thee down to the host for I have delivered it into your hand. Verse 10. But if you fear to go down, go thou with Fura, thy servant down to the host. And I just want you to capture that um, and think through what God just did right there. He knew that Gideon was having some struggles, didn't he? You know what God said? First of all, Gideon, I know you're struggling. In other words, God is helping Gideon know that God knows what Gideon knows. I'm struggling. But he did something. Here's what he did. He actually told Gideon to bring a comrade with him so that as they go deeper into the enemy's camp, he will have someone to commiserate with. This becomes clear, doesn't it, child of God? Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Don't miss this principle because it's everywhere in the word of God. Everywhere in the word of God. Very seldom, very seldom is there a time in our lives where God will commend you for being a solo ranger. I want to make sure you get that. Very seldom is there going to be a time in your life where God will commend you for being isolated and separated and maybe engaged in something on your own. It will almost always be a couplet because a couplet actually underscores the nature of God in his work. He sent them out two by two. The two witnesses of the scriptures is what establishes God's authoritative intent and purpose. Is that not true? Out of the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. So all God is doing here is helping you and I understand how does God bring comfort? This is how he brings comfort. When you and I are really, truly weak, he will bring a resource near to you to help you buoy up under your assignment so that you don't retreat or get captured by the enemy and go to the left or go to the right. But now mark this, he's going to bring a helper, not a hinderer. This would be good because if you're reading the book of Pilgrim's Progress, you'll discover that Pilgrim had to make choices as to who he was going to hang out with. Because there were many enemies on the Pilgrim path. Was that true? So stay here because, again, for those of us who slow down and read God's word, God sent a special servant to him and his name was Fira. Fira, that's his name. Fira was the servant of Gideon. Fira in the Hebrew means fruitful, productive, and multiplying. Fruitful, productive, and multiplying. What God gave to Gideon was something that would help him be fruitful in his faith. It would help his faith to grow. It would help his faith to expand as they go deeper into the uh, camp of the enemy. Now, this is a beautiful thing. How, how wonderful it is when you and I have people in our life who really, truly know God and are, and, and are sticking with God. 
And then when they deal with you, actually cultivate your faith. How good is that? How important is that? Right, it's important as can be. And in fact, this is why you'll find Peter and John or Peter, James and John and Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Timothy. You almost never see the solo ranger. Does that make some sense? That means, therefore, when you are engaged in an assignment that actually calls for you being counterintuitive, you might want to make sure that you have a legitimate believer on your side to actually determine whether or not this is of the Lord. Does that make some sense? Right. In this case, Fura is going with Gideon. And let's just think just a moment about Fura, because you and I don't know who he is. We have no idea who Fura is. But Fura also is to be commended because Fura has to hang out with the man. If who the Midianites kill him, they get the whole thing. Fura now is indicating a level of faith and commitment to God because Fura is like the man that has to flank the president or the general or the captain. The one that the enemy would love to take out because they know when you knock the head out, you get the body easily. Does that make some sense? That also means in that Fura has to have had a level of faith in him already approved of by God. Now that makes sense to me because we didn't already winnowed out everybody else but 300 people. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to press home to you that these 300 people were men of faith that God could trust and that Gideon could trust it as well. And so obviously these two are making their way down to the host. But if you fear to go down, go thou with fear thy servant. Go down to the host. The reward of drawing near the obedience of faith. We've already looked at Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. But let's look at it now and just grab just a few principles out of it. Because this should be the hallmark of your life and mind. And I'm going to justify the argument that what Gideon is dealing with is what we would call godly fear. I think you would understand there's a difference between godly fear and carnal unbelief that generates in the heart of a man or a woman that really does not trust God. Does that make sense? You're going to see that going back. God got rid of that when he got rid of so many of the men who came down just to have a party. Okay. He knew among them, there would be defection. He knew among them that there would be uh, a lack of understanding what's going on. So remember what we learned last week, God didn't reject Israel. He rejected what failure. So often God won't allow people into the assignment because he knows where they are. And he knows that they could not handle the pressure that's coming down. They'll come out a little bit later. They'll be back out because they're going to be part of the posse running down all the Amalekites and the Midianites when half the work is done. All right. And and there will be therefore some kind of reconciliation on their part. Are two better than one? Why? Because they have a good reward for their what? That means both of them are laboring in ways that are consistent with the task, consistent with each other, and in a godly context, consistent with God's will. Does that make some sense? Notice the next verse then as we just read it through. For if they fall, and we do. I mean, in a, in a, in a, in a war motif, ladies and gentlemen, I, the, the, this is so absolutely critical to understand. We're not dealing with some kind of stage play here. These are men who are in a war. In a war, you have what? Casualties. And that can get into your head, can it? 
Right. And so notice what it says. For if they fall, the one will do what? Lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he what? For he hath not another to help him up. What a what a perspective on God's part for Gideon. Listen, I I imagined when they were headed down the hill because it's night. If you read the scriptures carefully, as they're headed down the hill, um, uh, Gideon's men, the 300, were told not to take any weapons. This is inferred because they're going for intelligence. They're not going to fight. They're going for intelligence. Now, this gives me some insight into the Midianites. It gives me insight into the Amalekites and the children of the East. And here's the insight that I get. These men, these enemies have been public about everything they're doing. In other words, they're down in the open valley. We've seen that. That was the Jezreel Valley, right? It's wide open. They're not hiding. Do you know why? They're boasting in their pride. They're boasting in their sufficiency. They're boasting in their multiplicity. They're boasting in their numbers. See, men will boast in numbers, won't they? And in fact, as a psychological warfare optic, if you've got a hundred times more men than the enemy, well, aren't you naturally going to show yourself? You see this all through the Bible. This is why Goliath came out and taunted Israel day after day after day after day. This is going to give you some insight. Watch this now. Watch this. The enemy gives you an optic of his size so that you can make him bigger in your own eyes. The enemy gives you an optic of his size so that you can blow him up. That's the nature of psychological warfare. That's the numbers game. Hint, hint. That's what they do. I love this because guess what God is saying to Gideon? Gideon, get right on down up in there because I want you to not only see them, I want you to see through them, which means the people of God walk by faith, not by sight. It means the people of God walk by a faith that apprehends sight. They walk by a faith that sees his sight, apprehends sight, controls what they see by what they understand. It means that they not only apprehend it, control it, seize it, they see through what they see to what's really there. That's what it means for you to be able to have eyes to see. I've been talking to us on Tuesdays and Fridays about the mystery of the kingdom of God, have I not? And you and I understand that fundamentally everything about our Christian faith is rooted in the principle of faith. Is it not? And that virtually everything, God is invisible. The triune God is not comprehended by human brains. If you enter mere human logic into it, you're dealing with a paradoxical contradiction. Are you not? How can one be three and three be one? And you don't even see any of the three except if you believe in the historical narrative of Jesus. We talk about the kingdom of God being a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy and the kingdom of God being spiritual with all kind of spiritual qualities to them. We talk about angels and we talk about devils. We talk about Satan and we talk about spiritual warfare. Do we not? We talk about things like men and women having to be born again. You cannot detect that with science. 
We talk about a radical transformation of the mind and the heart. We talk about a heaven and we talk about a hell. We talk about so many things that are not comprehended with the physical eye. Does that make some sense, child of God? And we believe those things because they are generated into us by the word of God. This is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. Now, here's what we're doing in this context. We are learning how God allows his people to see their enemies and how God allows them to see through their enemies to him who is greater than their enemy. Are y'all keeping up with me now? This is so important. So no wonder God would say to you and I, draw near to your enemy. Get close to him so you can know his wiles, so you can know his methods, and so you can know how I already have vanquished all of that. What a powerful power. In fact, sometimes the only way your faith is going to be strengthened is down in the valley of conflict with your fear. The only way your faith is going to be strengthened is down in the valley of conflict with your fear. You guys know, y'all with me, you know, fear becomes a general principle of all kinds of things in our life for which we would run away from it. We would hide and not want to address it. And largely because we don't necessarily have confidence that God is going to be in that fear. And this context is a beautiful thing that's about to emerge. I love this. So it's very important for you to know when we are quoting uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, where it says, uh, we look not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are vanishing away. But the things that are not seen, they shall remain forever. Just recently, I've been talking to some of the saints who've been tracking with me through this whole, you know, debacle for the last couple of years. And one of the things I hear is how the enemy will actually speak in the mouth of the saints. Now, God is telling you and me, if you listen carefully, the 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 enemy actually speaks for God. But you've got to be able to hear that. So there's a part in which I'm hearing often where as they are looking at the optics and they are looking at the massive, impressive numbers as they are trapped by this uh, auditory proposition and this visual image and that one and the repetition of that warfare week in and week out, month in and month out. Year in and year out now, guess what I hear subtly inferred or explicit? Who can make war with the beast? And see, Gideon had 300 men whom God could trust would not buy into that narrative. Because he didn't already cleaned out everybody else. Am I making some sense? These 300 men are ready to go. They had already worked through the fear of that stuff. They had already worked through the consequences and the alternatives of going back. They had already said, when we leave the shore, burn the deck behind us because we're not going back to where we came from. They had already worked that out. See, Gideon had 300 men. This is what we're going to see next week who had become one with him. And so now God is piecing off Gideon and one brother and they're going down into the camp to hear a word, not from their enemy, but from God, as I just stated, yeah. If you listen with the wrong ears and you look with the wrong eyes, you will hear the enemy's voice in the mouth of the saints. 
I'm telling the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. But if you are walking by faith and if you have overcome that fear because you know that fear has torment and uh, fear, uh, love is the only thing that can cast out fear and bring you to the maturity of faith. You understand that there is no such thing as the enemy's word being immutable and unchangeable. There's no such thing as the enemy's word being certain and true. Nothing about what the enemy says should be viewed as as being certified as if it is sovereign God talking. I know this because God tells me he's a liar from the beginning and the truth does not abide in him. He is a thief and a murderer. And because of that, I have to examine him critically for everything he's saying. And so when we do, guess what we discover? If you listen carefully to them over time, you will hear God in their mouth. This is what some of us have already begun to learn, haven't we? We've turned the corner on the whole mass scheme and rhetoric, and now you're hearing clarity, capitulation, turning around, coming back to reality, affirming truth that can never ever ultimately be killed. I told you you can kill the witnesses, but in three days they go rise again. <laughs> Didn't I tell you that? You can kill them, but they're going to rise again in three days. You get the party for three days. That evening, here they come again. And this is where the people of God learn to trust God and simply go into those dark places that God is calling you. You can trust it as our text says, Gideon, your victory is in the enemy's mouth. Does that make some sense? Two, then, two things then with our uh, main subpoints under point number three. What he saw was one thing. Do you agree with that? What he heard was a whole nother thing. See what I'm getting at now? How the enemy loves to get you at the visual. This is again, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13 through 17. I've used this account before many times. And this is um, the account where the, uh, the, the enemy is trying to get at whoever it is that's exposing the enemy's plans and getting it back to Israel. Remember, I told you when God fights for his people, he goes in front of his people, sits in the enemy's camp and then brings back the news to you what the enemy is up to. This is so. Uh, do y'all not know that what I'm telling you is contemporary, relevant right now truth? Can, can y'all not get what I'm saying? Can you not understand how important it is to know your enemy? Because when you actually know what they're up to, you can dissect it. You can deconstruct it for real. And then you can bring back the truth to the people of God. That's so very important. He said, go and spy where he is. That is Elisha, that I may send and fetch him. What does he want to do to Elisha? Lock him up. Why? Because Elisha is the prophet. Why? Because the prophet speaks for God. Why? Because God is a God of truth and the truth will always set you free. And see, tyrannical systems always want to control you. But what God does, because you're, his people are his army, you don't get to sit on your butt. You are God's army. You are God's soldier. You are in the war. God then engages in what is called intelligence in order for you to have a strategy to deal with it. Does that make some sense, child of God? And so here we are. Watch this. Just watch the account. It was told to him saying, behold, he's in Dothan. We'll keep it moving. Verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a what? And a what? And a great host. Visual optics again. Visual optics again. 
Now, you don't need all that for one brother, or do you? <laughs> you don't, he sent out chariots and horses and a great host for an old bald head prophet. Now, this will give you some other insights. Are you with me? Stay with me. The enemy can never have more confidence than God. A lot of times, all of that flailing and blowing up is really an affirmation of his own fear. This is called the Wizard of Oz. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. I don't care what they might say. We love Jesus anyway. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.